Hey guys, how are you doing today? Welcome to Sustainably Yours, the podcast demystifying climate change and its mitigation. We get experts from different walks of life, entrepreneurs, academicians, and many more to give you a well-rounded, holistic perspective on climate change. Hi, Tanya. Anything interesting that you have been reading? Hi, Kinshuk. I think this weekend was a mixed bag of good and bad news, but. One very disturbing thing for me was to find that the carbon offset projects are not really deliberate. I mean, I've always had my doubts on these projects, but this study actually makes it real. A team of journalists analyzed the findings of three scientific studies that use satellite images to check the results of a number of forest offsetting projects. The forest carbon offsets are approved by the world's leading certifier and used by a number of big corporations are largely worthless and could make global heating worse. So as a consumer if you're buying something that's being labeled as carbon neutral it very possibly is not that is so sad what i'm also taking away is you know the application of satellite data application of satellite data is growing by leaps and bounds they can be used for so many things and this is this is one live case of we realizing that it is not really working the whole carbon offsetting schemes other applications of satellite data can be forest cover emission measurement in this case uh, track production activity waste heat map list is endless and recently the indian government has approved usage of indian satellite data for commercial application which will boost this sector and we will see a lot of exciting things and startups in this space in fact i have the right guest for us to tell us a lot about satellite data and its application nikit is a is a friend and he has his startup called tatya earth tatya.earth is using satellite data to give a holistic impact of any process so they can do real time monitoring of commodities supply chains and its impact on the environment the technology has massive implications and it will be great to have a conversation with him so what do you say should we head out and talk to him Absolutely. Let's do it. Hi Nikit, thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us. We would love to know what tatya.earth does and you also explain whether you address your company as tatya.earth or is it tatya. Tell us the whole story also about how you started the whole pre-covid post-covid interesting times. I'm really interested to know about your story. Okay, great. Uh, thank you Kinsuk, thank you Tania for having me here. and uh, to start off with about our journey so tatya basically is a sanskrit word it means truth in sanskrit dot earth is the domain which we carry along with us because uh, we we are actually working trying to solve something for the climate also with our initial set of products so what what exactly we do at tatya and how our journey started so i have been a sales and marketing professional and in sales marketing and even product development i have been into we analyze a lot of data it's a data crunching uh, job at the end of the day understanding customer journey doing the marketing campaigns which are to be targeted to the customer in the right way so this was also about data and when i was at uh, money control in my last assignment as a product manager we were trying to understand customer journeys there as well so like profiling the customer the demographics the spending power those kind of things and uh, we did, we were doing research for that particular project 
in money control and there we bumped into a lot of research papers from harvard and other institutes where they mentioned about using satellite data for uh, monitoring the gdp demographics of a particular country and even at uh, different uh, levels in a country so we bumped into this data and uh, we saw that satellite data can have multiple use cases from location navigation uh, weather data then monitoring the natural resources or say land use at the ground to even monitoring floods so it had multiple use cases at that time and when we were trying to profile that customer journey uh, this was something big that we bumped into and we thought there is a big use case we found out uh, that we can do for the uh, financial services sector because what we realized the data comes late for industries if you are suppose a trader or an analyst you are trying to analyze uh, data it comes uh, with a lag and then uh, i always had interest on the climate uh, side of things so i tried to connect these pieces of data from satellites uh, monitoring location level data income source at a pin code level and how do we connect all these bits and pieces and there i thought that okay let's look at the metals and mining sector because that time i envisaged somewhere in 2017 that for the world to decarbonize we will need more and more metals and even in today's life we don't realize but everything that we use or carry with us at any point of time has metals involved our phone our laptop the car we are driving in anything you take has metals but we don't realize that and if you look at the source of metals it comes from mines which are one of the most harmful or polluting agents uh, globally and responsible for about 7% of greenhouse gas emissions so then we connected these bits and pieces and uh, started using satellite data to monitor the supply chain of commodities and when i say supply chain of commodities it involves right from mining to production to movements by ship and then actually when they are produced at heavy industries like say steel copper cement aluminium and so on so this entire journey so we have broken down our product uh, so that's how the journey started uh, in money control i bumped into gunjan me and gunjan we worked over the weekends for about uh, one and a half to two years formally quit in uh, 2019 right before covid five four months into covid and it was a very tough time because uh, nobody was ready to pay attention to climate and how are we going to decarbonize all these was not on the top of agenda for any person in the world so everybody was on the covid thing so it was pretty difficult but uh, we survived all that survived the first wave second and all the ways that you can count and uh, we did raise a small amount of uh, small fundraise also we did and then we launched our first product which was monitoring the supply chain of commodities and by commodities i mean the metals and mining sector so we monitor the inventory we monitor how much production inventory at any port stockyard warehouse then production at any heavy industries or plant like uh, steel mills copper smelters and then uh, the mining activities for any particular mineral that you are looking at from bauxite to copper to coal to anything which is responsible basically for the decarbonization and contributing to the environmental journey that the world wants to get into so the first part supply chain and then the second part came in 
once we had few stable clients and we settled down in our first set of product the second was to understand the climate impacts of the supply chain of commodities because it is very important to do that since if you look at only the steel sector the steel production is responsible for roughly 6% of the greenhouse gas emission mining about 6% uh the vessel movement so 90% of global trade happens through waters okay and all these ships that are carrying uh, the goods are responsible for i think uh, roughly around 8% so combined if you look at we are looking at a 20 22% uh, global emissions okay and everybody is trying to look at it in bits and pieces nobody has tried to solve the puzzle going deep into it and monitoring the entire supply chain that is where Uh, i think the questions come about are the reporting tools proper are we getting the right data are the scope 3 emissions being rightly monitored so all these questions come up so that is how the journey has been and this has been the second step or of our journey of monitoring emissions in future we are also going to go into deforestation water stress floods that are happening and why all these because these are very much associated with mining industries if you look at deforestation and water stress the largest so we need most for say decarbonization like electric vehicles solar panels windmills we will need mostly copper aluminum steel and the rare earth elements so copper is a very uh, important raw material for this and you look if you look at copper mines and copper smelters they consume hell lot of water and there is already a problem of water stress wherever there are copper mines across the world so let's say the two biggest countries chile and peru they are facing huge water shortage and they had to move their tribals from the nearby areas to different locations so it it's a it's a very uh, classic chicken and egg story we want the metals to decarbonize and but then the metals are responsible for climate change also so how do we tackle this we can only tackle this after we monitor right from where they are source and mine to where they are produced speaking in bits and pieces it's not going to help we are we will in the last 3 4 years since i have been on to this journey i hear people speaking about it in bits and pieces and still we are seeing that people are not able to solve the scope 3 scope 2 part so it will continue again in the future if nobody goes deep into it and solves one particular problem uh, like monitoring the entire supply chain where actually we come in that's very interesting and thank you niket for explaining in such great detail because some of the pieces of the puzzle are so you know they don't seem so connected but they are for example uh, you linked uh, mines and peru and chile and water crisis and all of that and we we had no i mean i i didn't have any idea that you know they could potentially be connected as well so how does it all work you know like you explained that you are using satellite data but how is it that the uh, you know satellite data is uh, being used also just explain to us how does the satellite data look like is it an image is it codes uh, and what is special about what have you built as a as a differentiator which can do this which let's say i will not be able to do so can you just talk about that okay okay so uh, we use different satellite sensors what a human eye sees is basically optical satellite data like what our camera 
from a phone or any camera that can provide us an image it is a simple optical image but then satellite uh, data or say satellite sensors have plethora of uh, sensors from sar to infrared short wave medium and then optical data and then there is hyperspectral data also coming in there are few startups who are doing that so it's the only optical data that a human eye looks at but we work on multiple uh, satellite sensors so if we have to monitor say during the night what is happening at say any particular location we will need sar data because sar data has its own source of light which can penetrate even the clouds then say we we are looking at uh, monitoring the thermal radiation so our uh, first product which is monitoring production at heavy industries we work on the thermal radiations that are happening from say the heat emitting components of heavy industries which basically are captured in short wave and medium uh, infrared bands of satellite data so basically it's a frequency we learned it in physics in school days so everything and anything on the ground will always reflect light or uh, emit light okay so these reflections or say these light intensities are captured in different frequencies in the satellite sensors that are monitoring the earth okay so these frequencies basically are being provided uh, in the form of satellite data so image is what we see the optical one but it's all data that's the different satellite bands or different frequencies or wavelengths that are captured which are provided to companies like us who are doing analysis by the satellite companies in simple nutshell and uh, we work on thermal radiations or say medium infrared data for monitoring production we work on optical data to monitor inventory of uh, say any mineral that is kept on the ground maybe stockyard warehouse and then uh, we work on mining data for mining we work on sar data which is synthetic aperture radar data which can even penetrate the clouds irrespective of any climate conditions it can provide a data set so these are three different sets of satellite sensors that we use and then going into the fourth product which is monitoring emissions methane emissions so for that we use uh, european space agency's uh, sentinel 5p which is basically a different kind of satellite providing 7 km by 7 km uh, square kilo pixel area to monitor uh, methane emissions from the ground surface so methane also will be in the form of some kind of uh you know like yeah, yeah. it is in the form of different so methane particle it will be a nano micro particle okay at the end of the day which is floating in the atmosphere now whenever a sunlight gets on it it will reflect light and that will be captured in the satellite data in the form of frequency that frequency is provided to us and then we analyze that for methane because there are multiple particles in the atmosphere every particle will reflect light so we have to take that methane particle reflection and then work on that frequency to produce the output so that currently there are only couple of uh, sensors who are providing that there is a, a company a startup uh, called ghg sat based out of uh, the west uh, who are doing this and uh, now there is california government uh, is coming up with methane sat especially satellites to monitor methane emissions that can be a game changing thing because launching satellites is a huge cost and uh, launching that for one particular use case again then as a startup or as a company you need to generate revenues also so that cost has to be incurred so that is why gsg sat that 
cost of that data is pretty high. So once government comes into this, uh, the costs will come down. Like the European Space Agency provides it at free of cost, the 5P sensor. So that helps startups like us. But we need more to actually monitor at a more higher frequency and also to monitor different assets, like even a small dump yard, which is uh, say in small town like say Indore, Bhopal, Nagpur kind of to monitor uh, the emissions. Where are the methane emissions? Uh, where do you see like big flares of methane emissions? Is it around dump yards or is it around industrial areas, gas production units? Where where, where do the biggest, uh, what are the biggest sources of methane emissions? So see, uh, if you look at the sources, there are four biggest sources of methane emission. One is uh, livestock. Okay, so I'm, I might be taken in a wrong sense if I say that, but uh, cow is the new coal. Okay, so uh, sorry for that statement, but <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. And then there are oil and gas units, then there are coal mines, and then there are dump yards. So these four are major sources of methane emissions. And now if you look at which are the largest one, I think there have been recently satellites that are coming up who are trying to monitor. But if you look at oil and gas facilities are one of the largest coal mines because coal mines are located in remote geographies and the extrata of coal in general contains methane and if it is not trapped in a proper way, it releases and then there are such large pits that at least in oil and gas units, you know that this is flaring has to be done at one point. But in coal mines, it's a huge bed. The pit is huge. So you cannot uh, monitor that and the emissions can be high. And then, as I said, the livestock farming is also a huge source of methane emissions, especially in the West. So all these uh, sources are there, but uh, there are a lot of companies are doing methane emissions. I would be very uh, upfront in saying that. Uh, still, everybody is in a... Uh, discovery phase everybody has different mechanisms and different algorithms running on the same two satellites which is sentinel 5p and now uh, recently gsg sat who they are doing there is no other source today okay we have to use some and some kind of fusion method to use other european satellite data with uh, the sentinel 5p but everybody has uh, different algorithms who are running it and the data provided by everyone is also varying today from climate trace to carews to uh, us clients are actually evaluating who is the best source and in the future i think once more and more satellites go into the space for monitoring methane like i mentioned about the california government ghg site also uh, then i think there would be a more precisely we would be able to monitor and provide the rate of emissions we do that today as well but uh, if you look at the satellite it is seven kilometer by seven kilometer now in a seven kilometer area to attribute it to a source there can be two dump yards, there can be multiple facilities which are emitting small, small uh, methane uh, hotspots which can be there. So it is still in, I think, evolving phase. It will take another couple of years. But yes, I think the journey has started, which is good because methane is 80 times more harmful than carbon in a 20 year period. A uh, large part of uh, warming that we see is because of methane. So at least that journey has started for multiple companies like that of us and yes the clients are receptive about it so we have a client in europe for this one of the large uh, power companies who source coal from uh, uh, different geographies so they are using our data and they are pretty happy to understand that and that's what we want to build upon not only emissions the other steps 
for climate change which metals and mining sector is causing very interesting how do you measure uh, emissions while transportation you said that Uh, you know the water transport sea transport is also a good big answer yes so so that is an upcoming thing we are still doing research on that after completing the emissions part from uh, uh, fixed locations now we are going into uh, monitoring the vessels which are responsible mostly from the water bodies so there is a catch here because as i mentioned the source attributing it to a source is a difficult task so we are working on how do we uh for we'll have to understand the vessel because there are different kind of ships we don't realize that but there are very specific ships for carrying very specific goods so container ship would be different bunker ship would be different a uh, dry cargo ship would be different mini bulk would be different so even i realized this when uh, i started this journey for me ship used to be okay one ship but it's not like that so we'll have to understand the different mechanisms in this maritime sector on the water bodies so we are working on that and probably next year we should be able to come up with uh, the output very interesting and and thanks for talking about it uh, so uh, tell us uh, this so you know satellite data then becomes the background for all the work right and it's it's like in that sense when i think about it it's like the google maps on which so many industries have sprung up so what are the other applications of this data that you foresee in the near future uh, i'll come to one point which i missed uh, for this like you mentioned about google maps even when you have to register on a google maps there is a physical verification of the location that they do okay so it's not only satellite data lot is lot of ground level data also gets into building what google maps is today so for us also we take lot of data from the ground okay and all that data goes into the uh, model okay so it's not only satellite data say satellite data helps us get to a accuracy of 70% but say we need to get to say 80 90% so that additional 20% comes from the ground level data that we consider or have put in the uh, algorithms so i'll give you an example for china we monitor uh, say major uh, steel plants copper smelters uh, we would be also monitoring methane emissions from uh, the coal mines and currently we are doing from australia so we will be doing from china so we have sourced and we have uh, spent a sustainable amount of time getting ground level data from china and other geographies as well i'm speaking for china because it is very difficult to get ground level data from china and uh, we have been also told that uh, you guys are trying to k- do kind of espionage though it is not because satellites are any which ways mm, capturing the data but the chinese government doesn't like all these things so that is why we we are told that you have to be very careful when you are taking data from the ground sources especially in geographies like china so all that goes into the model like the location because if you go to google maps and try to search a location in china you will not get it i'll be very frank you will not get it so even getting one asset location was such a daunting task for us so it took us building network on the ground in china collecting that data building resources there because it's a factory of the world so that was the most important geography when we are trying to analyze even today even if you look at the rare earth elements most of the processing mining and sourcing is happening in china so everybody will have to monitor china so for that we took lot of ground level asset level information then lot of historical data also that went into the model 
so all this was collected and added to the model in addition to the uh, satellite data and now coming to your question of what are the additional use cases so i think satellite data will become mainstream in near future and i am very positive and very uh, thoughtful on that uh, if you would have gone through the recent uh, isro policy that was released by uh, government of india so they are also so till now isro's data was not available to private companies and all now above 5 meter data 5 meter resolution data they would be making it available to everyone in public domain so which is a very strong step because this has been done by the nasa and the european space agency for years and we had so much of data as isro and that was not going into private organizations and that is why we were seeing lesser applications coming from the country and west way ahead of us in terms of satellite data application or say geospatial application but now with this policy uh, by the government of making public uh, more than 5 meter data they still have other data sets i hope in future they will go from 5 meter to 1 meter also but still this is very welcoming for startups like us because more and more satellite data into the model we are able to see a particular location multiple times in 2 3 days the better output we are able to provide to our clients and uh, the world so there can be applications like say land use classification there can be applications for defense defense is a considering the current geopolitics uh, scenario in the world defense is a major application for startups like us or satellite data or geospatial world then there are other use cases that are coming up we are seeing uh, wildfires we are seeing heat waves we are seeing uh, water stress we are seeing illegal construction and uh, construction not being monitored so all these can be monitored by satellite data so i met the transport minister of the country way back in 2018 and i had a meeting with uh, mr gadkari the transport minister for about uh, 45 minutes and i told him all these use cases so he was like this is wonderful because if i'm sitting here in my place in nagpur and i want to monitor the construction of a bridge or a road in say assam i have to call up one officer here he will call another officer in delhi or assam that guy will say i will have to call another person who is on the ground and doing the actual work and i want that information instantaneously and it will come to me after two or three calls and probably not the same day after two days so he said that the entire conversation is lost if i get that information after two days so he was pretty excited that oh satellite data can have these applications so we didn't build it but uh, he has built it with some company from the west and i was very happy that i could share that with him and now he has a portal at his place in nagpur in his office in delhi and i think another office which uh, he has somewhere on his uh, in his home and he has put up a big screen all the major projects can be seen there he just clicks what is the progress he can see the image he can see this much was done this is the picture this is being done currently and he has that so uh, i didn't contribute anything to it but i'm really happy that conversation happened and he did it so many applications we'll see more and more satellites are going into the space and uh, with that more and more applications will be coming probably i can't think of few applications which can come out
a very very funny application i just thought of is that if an employee leaves his desk will that be detected on a satellite <laughs> no 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 so sad human movement is not allowed by any <laughs> there are uh, specific satellites a lot of companies asked us actually oh, did? when we were monitoring yeah yeah when we were monitoring china uh, in the covid time especially because the factories were shut down but these factories were operating so they wanted to understand how many people are going in how many people we said we are nobody uh, no companies allowed to monitor humans i was just going to say uh, that china <laughs> we need it or we want to build it yeah very sinister <laughs> but yeah might be in future we can have some sensors and satellite data combination which can be hmm. correct correct absolutely okay so nikin uh, there are um, satellite companies like uh, planet satellite view satellogic and then there are uh, data companies like uh, climate trace and carbon mapper where do you see tatya in this spectrum okay so uh, so there are two set of uh, companies in this one is the providers who are uh, making the satellite sensors and providing data and the second set of companies are like climate trace which is basically a non profit organization and uh, the companies like us which are for profit so uh, these two are very different in what they are working i think everybody is focusing on their core competency there were companies who tried to build satellite sensors and analytics on top of it they failed and went back to their core competency of building sensors and then that is why companies like us uh, came out and now how do we differentiate us with climate trace they are non profit we are for profit again coming to my same point earlier if you look at climate trace they are only monitoring emissions from say mining companies cement plants steel plants and all we are monitoring the entire supply chain i am providing data on how much production is happening mining is happening inventory is there movement is there and again the and on top of the supply chain i am providing an environmental layer which is emissions deforestation water stress and again on top of that i am providing the hazards to the environment that are happening like say floods like i'll take an example of australia Australia last year uh, or say in the last 18 months saw three severe floods uh, the eastern coast and these eastern coast is where uh, large natural resources like coal copper and all are there so it disrupted the entire supply the prices of copper went up coal went up and then we don't realize it in our everyday life but uh, chip prices go up because of this and we see that we say that inflation has come up and inflation is there but then it's a very low you have to go back to the source which which we don't so the source was that the sea floods the uh, because uh, let's say in terms of uh, floods that recently happened uh, in uh, i think it was indonesia which resulted into disruption of nickel supply and even elon musk faced a problem with uh, nickel supply for its electric vehicles and then he signed a multi year deal with wale okay whatever it is you have to supply me irrespective and i will pay you a higher price so and then this reflects to uh, reflects on our pockets in terms of inflation going up but we don't realize that so climate trace carbon mapper they are trying to work on one particular thing i personally feel i might be wrong i personally feel we, we need to monitor the entire supply chain only monitoring say scope 1 or only scope 2 scope 3 would not uh, help anyone because then again you are not trying to solve the entire puzzle that is where we come in we monitor the supply chain we monitor the environmental part and then on top of that we monitor the impacts of this on the environment as well like floods and probably in future wildfires also we will look at it 
not right now. So if somebody is looking at our data, you get everything for the metals and mining sector. That if you are a trader, you are a banker, you are an analyst, you are a consultant, you are a government organization, you get anything in one particular portal from us. One thought that I had was that then you are a great data supplier to an ECG company as well, right? ESG company as well because ESG. they need all these inputs and there are many agencies. So even that is a great uh, use case for the kind of uh, data that you are generating in that sense. Yes, yes. That's why I said that uh, banks are our clients and now we are uh, getting into more uh, kind of companies who are looking at ESG metrics. Even if you look at more and more private companies are uh, being told to declare their emissions, supply chain emissions. Uh, I think CDP is playing a big role there. But uh, I think uh, companies like us also uh, will have to, on the framework that CDP has built, on that framework, company like us has to come who would monitor and provide information. So I think uh, from the ESG side, uh, government should also be uh, looking at because uh, none of the governments are actually looking that they are just putting it and the private companies and public sector companies they themselves also need to monitor all these things so government banks and a lot of companies would be uh, taking uh, these data sets i believe that's very interesting and that's a that's a lot of good data coming uh, their way so decision making and understanding real problems like one report that I have been reading a lot is that the whole carbon neutrality part that is, is it even working, right? And 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 now there is some satellite data to prove that last 10-15 years of carbon neutral projects, many of them have not delivered the kind of things that they promised they will deliver. So all of these will be possible with the kind of uh, data you are able to generate. Yes, yes. That's why the satellite data will become mainframe in near future. And I'll give you one example. Uh, like satellite data is used, uh, basically the night light intensity monitored through satellite data to understand the GDP of the countries. Like uh, night light intensity means satellite is looking at a city, say Mumbai, or looking at a city, say uh, Nasik, which is near Mumbai. So the night light intensity in Mumbai would be pretty high and in Nasik, it would be pretty right. less. So using that night light intensity algorithms are being derived uh, to measure the GDP of the country because then you have to do manual surveys and all to get the GDP. This is a far better way to monitor GDP. So a recent report by Economist, if you look at, I'll share that report also with you, said that China has reported its GDP more by 7 trillion US dollars. So they did that using night light intensity and they were able to mention that uh, China has reported the numbers more by 7 trillion. And imagine 7 trillion, the probably third, fourth, fifth uh, can all, uh, fourth, fifth, sixth can all come in that 7 trillion. Yeah, everyone will fit in that. Yes, that's that's massive uh, difference. Yeah, even RBI released a paper recently where I think uh, they did this with World Bank, some World Bank data scientists to monitor the GDP using nightlight intensity. Very interesting. Amazing things, yeah, when you start thinking about what all is possible in this yeah. case. That's why I mentioned, I also don't know what use cases can come up in near future. Okay, great. And one uh, one interesting question. So, uh, right now, who are your biggest customers? Like, who are your, uh, at least in numbers, who are the people most interested in your data? 
so uh, i would say on the supply chain of commodities which is our matured product as of now uh, most of our customers are traders uh, why traders because they want to monitor uh, real time what is happening uh, because their trades are very uh, time sensitive and time specific and uh, they benefit a lot as well because if you look at these commodities and especially the metals and mining sector it is concentrated mostly in very remote geographies across the world and then china is like a black hole so all these information getting to them in real time is very helpful to them because they are most of they are the most sophisticated guys in terms of trading currently then comes uh, so it helps them in their trading strategies the second set of customers are uh, the banks mining companies because they also want to monitor what is suppose uh, say nickel mining company is providing nickel to a smelter which is not owned by them by some other company so they want to monitor how much they are producing accordingly they will define their mining ki hame kitna mine karna hai so that helps them in their production planning as well so the whole process of you know all these companies giving forecast to each other just vanishes right practically yeah you look at all the forecast uh, after especially covid all the forecasts are going mm-hmm. haywire mm-hmm. from all the large mining companies they are such huge billions of dollars of companies they can move anything anywhere in the world but still they are not able to meet their forecast and this is not only because of covid disruption this is because of climate change so vale which is the largest iron ore mining company in the world had severe floods in brazil in their mines it they have the highest grade uh, iron ore in the world and they had severe floods which disrupted their operations and they were not able to meet their forecast which resulted into iron ore prices going up which results into steel price going up which results into automobile means whatever steel is used for automobile prices going up which hits our pocket uh, absolutely indirect absolutely very interesting now tell me so th- thanks a lot it, it really helps us understand this space uh, a lot and, and one uh, last question for you uh, you spoke about you know uh, building a saas platform uh, instead of giving uh, data how will that be different and what kind of value addition do you see there so what we have realized speaking to our clients is uh, data in initial phase is fine okay but uh, since this commodities uh, as i mentioned is remotely located there is no real time information companies also don't declare their information i'll give you an example of india only let's say uh, tata steel tata steel declares their numbers on a quarterly basis and that too at a company level they don't declare how much was produced at jamshedpur how much was uh, produced at kalinganagar and etc in say uk or other they declare at a company level on a quarterly basis now we are facing inflation data is coming out every week okay every week we are buying phones somebody is buying laptops so it is going to impact our pockets but this information from a company who is actually producing it it's coming on a quarterly basis so just providing data would be one of the use case for a particular client but somebody who wants to like see the entire picture globally he will need one platform a data won't be suitable for it so that is why after speaking to clients we realize that we need to build a bloomberg kind of terminal where you will find the entire supply chain information environmental impacts and then the sustainability part that we are doing in one platform 
so like you are suppose a consultant okay a world bank consultant you want to see how the movement of say coal is happening everybody is saying that we will reduce coal we will reduce coal it is not happening actually okay because we need more electricity power the world population is increasing we have touched 8 billion un estimate says that will reach 10 billion also in near future so we will need more coal okay and then but the companies are claiming we are reducing that dependency now if you are a world bank consultant financing projects you need to see that information in one portal where mining is happening how's the movement happening who is producing which geography and then that mining is leading to methane emissions deforestation you will see one saas platform or one product where you see this entire information you don't need to go anywhere then and also there is no information on real time i am providing this information to you on weekly basis on a near real time basis so that helps you as a trader consultant analyst anybody correct correct and that you know and that makes sense because quality of data eventually depends on quality of analysts right and and if if you analyze it for them they are traders but you will be able to give a much uh, better view of your data because you understand it so well so yeah and when do you see this saas platform getting created so uh, we are in the market to raise funds for it and okay. Uh, okay. you should see that coming up probably next year the saas platform uh, we have built it uh, some internal uh, work on it has happened but we should be able to launch it next year wow excellent and all the best for your journey niket and all the best for whatever you're going to do in future we hope that tathya.earth becomes like a really big company that we all get to hear about and see your satellite based data you struggled so much right from covid and uh, you know and still you guys persisted and you're looking happy and bright and <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> so all the best uh, thank you so much for taking time out you have such a busy schedule thanks a lot yeah thank you kinsuk it was nice uh, coming to your podcast and uh, yeah i hope i have been able to briefly explain what we are doing uh, to you and your viewers no we learned like fully completely new chapter so thanks a lot great thank you thank you so much thank you for the positive responses feedbacks and please continue writing to us you can reach us at greenshoots.pehle@gmail.com that's greenshoots.pehly at gmail.com we will see you again soon with something very engaging and very entertaining please keep supporting us with all the love thank you